welcome to Leadership Daily, where together we answer what's next for the future of leadership. All right. Hello, hello, and welcome to Leadership Daily, everybody. Your host, Kyle Denton, with co-host Adrian Popa. Uh, and today, I'm really excited to bring on Bjorn Bonholzer. Uh, excuse me if I slayed that, but super excited to have you on today. Uh, a colleague, a friend, uh, somebody who has so much um, passion and experience to share with the world. I'm excited to have you on. How are you doing today? Good, but I ought to thank you for that introduction. You can, you can be my... You could be my storyteller and my, my advocate when I need it. <laughs> anytime, sir. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I want to start out and I mean, full disclosure to everybody out there. Um, I've, I've gotten to know Bjorn a little bit and I, we reached out to him because he has such an amazing um, insight and compassion and ability for leadership and his experiences are something that, I'm really selfish. I just really wanted a chance to talk to him again and then kind of share him and his, uh, his expertise with all of you. Um, so appreciate that. Guilty Kyle. pleasure aside. So uh, just kind of starting out, Bjorn, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Yeah. Who am I? That's a, that's a, a loaded question, a, a big question. I think probably those around me could answer it more fruitfully than I could, but personally, I'm a boyfriend, I'm a son, I'm a dog owner, I'm a trail runner, I'm a golfer. I'm just a normal guy. Professionally, uh, I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach. I'm an accredited leadership coach. Um, I'm a university lecturer. I get the opportunity to give back to my alma mater as an undergraduate, Central Washington University in their college of business by teaching uh, HRM 442, which is their senior level training and development course. So I feel immensely proud of that opportunity to give back to my alma mater in that unique way. Uh, and I'm a small business owner, which I think is a really neat uh, task that I've taken on this year. So I'm excited about what the future holds. Wow. Wow. Well, that's a, how do you, we are also talking, you're also, did you mention it? A, a trail runner too. Yeah. How, how do you find time for so much? Yeah. I, I think there's a, there's a, a critical piece and that is the difference between time management and attention management. Oftentimes there's that notion of you'll be more successful, you'll be more productive, you'll be more effective if you manage your time. And I think there is truth to that, but I think in my case where I've been more effective, where I'm able to create these pockets for me to enjoy other aspects has been how I manage my attention. Because if I can manage my attention more effectively, then inevitably, I will more effectively manage my time. And so that's been a really key piece that I have uh, developed over time is where do I spend my energy? Where do I put energy into? Where can I take energy away from? And ultimately, that has allowed me to reprioritize. Wow. That was... Uh... <laughs> That was some impactful information there early on. We just started out. Um, I kind of want to dive into that a little more, but I, I don't feel like we gave a kind of a full uh, review of all your, your background and experience. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have to circle back to that, like managing attention. Um, you know, I think I've heard, I've heard the phrase. I don't know what it actually means. So remind me, we're going to have to talk more about that. Um, so tell us, did you mention your education? I I don't, I know you, so I have these things floating around. What about your education? So you're a credentialed certified, uh, coach and facilitator, and you also, um, you know, you work for your alma mater and 
you've gone to school with Gonzaga as well. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about your experiences in the world of education. Yeah, I, I will say that my time with Gonzaga was perhaps the most impactful two years of my life. So I, like I said, I graduated from Central Washington University's College of Business. And it wasn't really until 10 years later, uh, no more than, yeah, 10 years later, actually, that I went back to the school and started Gonzaga's organizational leadership program. And it was at that point in time to where it almost seemed like when I, when I was going through Gonzaga, I think I was 35 at the time, 33 at the time. I can't forget it. I don't even remember how old I am right now. <laughs> but regardless, I feel like that, that 34 years or however old it's when I started really kind of caught up to me. And I always, you know, people oftentimes say, well, what's the value in a graduate program? You know, what, what can a graduate program do for me? Why would I go back to school at 45 and get a master's degree? And I think you have to decide that for yourself. For me, I went back to school purely because I wanted to be able to teach at Central Washington University. I had incredible mentors that still play a really positive and impactful role in my life now. And they were both professors, James A.B. and James Nindick, at the, at the College of Business in Central Washington University. So I wanted to go back and follow in their footsteps, not necessarily as a tenured faculty member, but in a way that was unique as an alum. But I share the experience of Gonzaga as a pivotal point in my life because it wasn't that prior to that, my life was thrown off course or I was, you know, quote unquote, lost. I wasn't by any means. I had a good trajectory of a career. But what Gonzaga did for me, and this is oftentimes what I paint a picture of, is I thought I knew myself really well going into the Gonzaga Leadership Program. And what it did over the course of those two years is open up the closet. And inside that closet were all my skeletons for the past 34 years. And it wasn't until I went through that program that I kind of learned everything that I had done wrong, why relationships in my life had failed, right? Why I was sort of making the decisions that were negatively impacting my life. And that, that had such a substantial and effective and turning point in my life to where after that, I felt I, I just naturally gained so much more confidence. I gained confidence in myself. I gained confidence in my abilities. And as a result of that, I walked away with this incredible network of people that I still stay in touch, that I can call someone up and say, hey, this is what I'm faced with inside the organization. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what approach to take or here's what I'm thinking. Can we bounce my ideas off of? And that's the value. But I think in any sort of graduate program, right, if there's, if there's one common theme among any graduate program, and I firmly believe this, take any graduate program in the world, any study, and I think what you will walk away with is the ability to more effectively analyze problems. Mm. Whether that's a people problem, whether that's a, a structural engineering problem, whether that's a chemistry problem, whatever it is, you now have this tool and this skill set to more effectively diagnose, to analyze, and to resolve problems, however they may be. And that was a really profound That's a skill set that I walked with. That's a long answer. I don't even, I don't remember what the question was, Kyle. I apologize. <laughs> uh, no, that's, uh, I mean, that's uh, fascinating. So, I mean, I'm kind of keeping track of some of those key things that we really got to dive into more. Um, you know, you talked about managing attention and the depth of analysis that you're able to do from your experience there. Um, and I, I'm curious, you know, tell us a little bit about some of your experiences. You know, we've, we've shared a few and I just think they're kind of fun to talk about and how they, um, and the reason I ask my ulterior motive is a lot of times people think of education as sitting in a desk in front of a podium. And I think 
the future of leadership. I don't want to see the answers too much, but you know, how do we learn and how do we learn differently? So tell us about your education and kind of the journey of some of the things you did and how they impacted you. Yeah, you mentioned something that I think is really important. I'll just say it now and then we can come back to it. But what I think is really important to the future of leadership, and I have two and I'll share the second one with you later, is the notion of cultural competence. And I'll share a story with you, something that my mom told me that has forever been ingrained with me. But some of the experiences that I have have had, obviously, I, I went to Gonzaga's organizational leadership program, as I, as I shared, that was a very pivotal. But it wasn't until I left Gonzaga that I sort of had this better understanding of what it is that I truly wanted to focus on, right? You look at the field of organizational development, and that can have niches or niches of so many different pockets. And I wasn't really quite sure what I wanted to focus on. And as a result of that education, what that's provided me is future of leadership and how I view that. Having gone through an accredited leadership coaching program. And the reason why that was so important is because as practitioners, whatever your practitioner is, people will come to you and say, Hey, Adrian, I have a problem. And you as a consultant, you as an advisor, they're paying you for you to solve their problem. And coaching really flips that on its head. And it allows you to be in partnership with the client for them to arrive at their own solution based off of what they think is important. So it's a, it's a forward-thinking process of discovery and self-awareness. And I think that's part of the future of leadership and what education has provided me is that notion of, okay, how can you go from solving people's problems to helping people solve their own problems? Okay. That's a, you know, a lot of people talk about the difference between like coaching or mentoring or consulting. And I, I really appreciate how you framed that solving for them versus helping them solve. Yeah. It's like uh, giving a person a fish versus teaching them to fish. Right. right. That's fascinating. All right. So I think, and one of the things I wanted to ask about uh, specifically, because I know for a, a lot of people in the fields of organizational development or psychology, or process improvement, innovation. For a lot of those, it, it sounds like you have experience working in organizations, uh, but you've also used your, your experience and journey to kind of pivot and build something more with that. Could we unpack that a little bit? I'm curious um, on the, the journey. What was that like? Yeah. So the, the notion of, of OD, organizational development, right, is, is all about implementing plan change. And that plan change can look like a million different initiatives inside any particular organization. <clears throat> so over the course of my career, I've been involved in the design, the development, the implementation, the evaluation of hundreds of initiatives, right? But it wasn't until I went through this coaching program that I really wanted to focus on individual and, and team interventions. The reason why I chose Gallup and the strengths is because that is innately what I'm drawn to is the intrinsic behaviors of people, because it all starts with the individual. And once you can tap in and understand and realize and empower that person, you just unlock their own potential, right? Now it's about creating that path and, and the strengths allows you to get an understanding of what someone and how someone operates, how someone thinks. And from there, it's about their values and what it is that they do to drive their decisions, drive their outcomes, to drive their behavior. And that's exactly what Voyager strategy, my, my, small company is focused on is that individual coaching and team strengths intervention. And that's why I think it's just a, such a fascinating thing is you take someone who is newly promoted from an individual contributor, a high performing individual contributor to a first time manager, the responsibility, the depth, the breadth of that role 
can be incredibly overwhelming within the first day, right? Gone is your just the responsibility of yourself, right? That, that's, that's the easy part. Now you have responsibility of three, five, seven, ten other people. How do you manage your own behaviors, your own emotions, and the emotions and the behaviors and the outcomes and the expectations and the accountability of that other group? And that's really what the individual coaching is designed to support people with, to say, before we dive into all of the challenges that you face, because that could be a laundry list, right? Let's first identify and go through the process of discussing what type of leader do you want to be? Hmm. What's your leadership philosophy, right? I mean, that's taking a page right out of the Orgel program right there is let's begin to design that for you. Let's construct that because that's what's going to be the roadmap that you can take, that you can follow from here on out. doesn't mean that it has to stay the same, but at least digging into those values, understanding what makes you tick, getting insight into your blind spots, those behaviors, those mechanisms, those strategies that you can take and be effective will ultimately shape how you lead people now and in the future. Wow. So I kind of, there's two things bubbling to the surface. Um, in my mind and i think they're both equally important so I'll, I'll share them both and we can start with whichever one you would like to uh one was what what is it like for somebody and how do they know they even have the the choice and that it'd be something they could do going from the the quote-unquote gold star earner to now the manager or leader um how how do they get in touch with a leadership coach somebody who can help them on this journey because I'm kind of curious of what's that look like if I find somebody who's stepping into this role and I want to do my best how do I know to reach out who do I reach out to and then what's it actually look like for me that's very um task oriented I know Mm -hmm. the the other question that's curious is you mentioned about what is your mission and um you know I I would ask that question you know what is your Focus. I I hear these strengths and individual and team centered um, concepts. I I would love to hear how you frame it. So those yeah. were the two things. So I'll I'll answer that second one first because that's a very easy thing for me, and this is really an extension of what Voyager strategy is. Voyager strategy is very simple. It's two words: create value. That can look like a mini, like a million different things. For me, what it looks like is, yes, I I also want to create value, but I I also part of my mission is to explore with curiosity, mm. right? That there is there's four words that will forever be ingrained in my mind as a result of Oregel 605, right? The introduction, the first course that you take in Gonzaga's program, and that's C and C again. That has undoubtedly shaped my mindset from here on out. I have it on a sticky note in front of my computer right now. I have it on a whiteboard over here. I preach that because that forces you to explore with curiosity. You might still arrive at that same solution or that same outcome, but at least you've gone it, you've given it a second perspective, you've given it a second consideration. And that second consideration is critically important. So part of my mission is yes, I wanna create value, but it's also to explore with curiosity. And three, above all, I wanna be someone that my friends and family are proud of, right? That's just. That just goes without saying, I think, right? I mean, we want to contribute to society. We want to leave the world a better place than when we found it. We want to positively impact each and every organization that we support. And that's true for me too. And then I think, you know, the the other question that you had was, I'm now taking on this extra responsibility. How do I find a leadership quote or a leadership coach rather? And I, and I think that's the easy part. 
The challenging part is arriving at the decision as to whether you need a leadership coach. The purpose of a leadership coach is not to have all the answers. There might be some guiding here and there, but that's again through that process of discovery. But oftentimes we are promoted because of our capabilities, because of our knowledge, skills, and abilities, and our competence, right? So we might have that underlying ego that says, okay, well, if I excelled as an individual contributor, I'm gonna excel as a people manager. It might take a little longer, but I can do it myself. And I think it takes some courage to reach out and say, uh, I think I might be in over my head a little bit at least at the onset, right? To ask for help, that takes courage. And the most important thing that I would suggest to anyone who says, well, how can a leadership coach support me or any coach, right? Because there's wellness coaches, there are transition coaches, right? There are life coaches, there are a variety of different coaches. And I would say that there are two key factors is you certainly want to build rapport with someone. You certainly want to have that connection and see the value in it, right? If you are going to be paying X amount of dollars, then coaching isn't cheap, right? I mean, this is an investment that you're making for three, six, nine, 12 months. So if you're forking over X amount of dollars, you want to make sure that you actually like the person that you're working with, right? there's that but then there's also the notion of is this person does this person have the credentials to support me and i think that's an important piece also to look for in a coach is you know through social media you can advertise yourself as anything that's the that's the power in self promotion but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can provide the services that you advertise. And I'm a really big proponent for referrals, right? I think that's a wonderful thing. If someone speaks highly of you, they're willing to put their reputation on the line, right? And there's that saying that your net worth is your network or your network is your net worth. And that's, there's some truth behind that, right? I'm certainly not willing to advocate for someone that has the potential of denting or negatively impacting my reputation because more than anything, that's an important thing for me is whether it's just a friend, right? A colleague, whoever, if I'm gonna refer someone, I'm putting my name on that line to say, hey, I advocate. I advocate for this person. This person can do the job. Right? And I think that's an important piece. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, I'm thinking all about the, the ways that people have, um, you know, challenged me, forced me to take action, I think is one of the big things where um, you can have an idea but then have somebody ask you, have you followed through? Um, mm -hmm. And I know for me, like Gonzaga, that was one of those things where there were these immersions and experiences where you took the ideas and you put them into action um, with, you know, the capstone course as mm -hmm. a, an example. Um, how did the experience going through the capstone influence your trajectory? Uh, putting these leadership concepts into uh, actual practice and business. I I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I mean, like most capstone courses, right? It's the, it's the culmination of all of your work. Everything comes back to that capstone course. And I'll, I'll just say that the challenging part of a capstone course is even with tools like Blackboard or Canvas or learning management systems in general, right? You have that archive of work that you've done. And that's really beneficial to, to jog your memory. But you can, you can, I'll reframe that, is, you know, when you're going through the immersion, the 605 immersion that kicked off 
in Spokane, right? You're not necessarily detailing all the interactions that you're having with this new cohort, right? I mean, I remember those experiences. I have photos of, of that time, but I wish I had, I wish I had almost like transcribed those experiences a little more and brought that into my capstone. But, you know, the, the capstone for me was, was unique in the sense that I wanted to hear more about the perspectives of people. I was more interested in hearing what Eleanor Ward, now Fala, and Jade Gold had to say and what their experiences was, were like, you know, and, and so I did that through a podcast for the Capstone program. But I think it it wasn't until, you know, six months after the Oregel program where, you know, everything clicked. Because when you're going through the program, everything is happening so fast. You're, it's warp speed. It's books and it's posts and it's engagements and it's immersions and it's traveling and it's cultures and languages and all these different factors. And it's like you're taking all of this in and it's wonderful and you're learning, but at some point in time, the, the dust has to settle and all that has to catch up with you. And I think it took a, a period of time for all of that to come and say, okay, now you can begin to think about what the next stage of your life is. You know, how are you going to take this program and the eight or 10 courses that you take and actually plot them out to where you can utilize them but the capstone course was really that that culmination right it, it provided you the opportunity to historically look at everything that's happened in that two years or three years or however long someone may be going through the program for wow that's a that's a good lens to look through on you know how does it focus things in now you mentioned that You've traveled as part of the program, the cultures, the interactions. And one of the things you mentioned earlier was uh, the importance of cultural uh, competence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm curious because here's one of the things that is kind of going through my head. Sometimes you hear people talking about degrees because they want money. Mm-hmm. And it's about ending the degree so they can get the money. But what I hear you mentioning are experiences and interactions and relationships and action. Could you maybe describe how or what experiences in the program you had? Uh, You mentioned the 605. That's the Mm on-campus joining together, which is important. But what other kind of experiences did you have through the program? Yeah, so I've talked about 605. That was an incredible group of people. I mean, one of the best groups of people that I've I've ever had a chance to spend three days with. And I stay in touch with so many of so many, so many of those individuals, right? Whether it be through text messages or phone calls and FaceTimes or LinkedIn updates or whatever it may be. So that was a, certainly a, a pivotal and exciting immersion. The other one was with Dr. Albert's psychology of leadership course. And talk about the right course at the right time with the right instructor that that was that was so 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 important for me to take at that particular time and as a result of it dr albert i've since dropped the name dr albert because we're so familiar with each other now and now i call him joe but joe and i have met every week virtually since march of last year right (laughs) we've built this profound friendship and as a result of that, right, we're thinking of, of opportunities that we can partner on to expand the notion of leadership and perspectives and influence, right? So that was certainly an important one. Mount Adams, right? I mean, what is there a, is there a cooler immersion than climbing a 12,000 foot mountain on this crystal clear day? I don't, I don't think so. And what was so unique about that is you had people who had never laced up a pair of hiking shoes, hiking boots. And you had people who had done it 10 times before. And I think as you're coming into this, you have 
a natural sense of trepidation or anxiety or fear. Am I going to be able to do this? I've, you know, I've read the book, um, Leading at the Edge, right, which is right behind me, and hearing Shackleton's story, and you're watching these movies about Meru, right, and you're thinking, oh gosh, I'm about to climb this mountain, right, and then you go to REI and you rent this gear, and you're thinking, I have an aspect, right, I, I, I don't even have to use this thing, I don't even know what this is i've never had to use this right and so you you naturally have this and then you're also thinking of like well gosh i'm going to be on the side of a mountain with 28 people that i've never met and what if i don't get along with them or what if i can't make it up but they do or the obvious like what happens if i need to go to the bathroom right i mean these are all things that that you think about and and then you get to the you go through the process of it and you camp the first night and then you take off at you know whatever crazy hour that we did and you get up to you get up to um is it piker's peak there what is it what's the piker's peak there and you and you camp and i'll never forget i have a million photos of it popa had had brought us to this ledge and it was a beautiful clear night and you could see the hues of blue and orange and red in the distance and you could see you could see rainier you could see saint helens you could see hood in the distance right and he's prepping us he's he's saying okay well you know right there that's what we're going to be climbing tomorrow and the last group to get up to Piker's Peak was the first group to leave. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird, right? And coincidentally enough, my group was the last group. But what was so cool about that was that we were the first group up. And this is this memory is locked in my mind. We left at midnight, right? We're strapping on all of our gear in the dark. We have headlamps on. We have a million layers of, of clothing to stay warm. And we start hiking up. And the person behind me, Rudy Mendez, or Mendoza rather, is right behind me. And I look back, and it's one o'clock in the morning. It's pitch dark. We all have headlamps on. And up behind me are 24 other people. It was like this perfect line of headlamps, profoundly impactful. And then you get up there. And you see this perfect symmetrical shadow. I think it must have been of, I don't know what, what mountain it would have been, what neighboring mountain. Um, it was, but it was Mount Adams, right? Well, what? It was the was shadow it? of the mountain. Oh, it was the shadow. Okay, so yeah. yeah, it was the shadow of Adams. Yeah, so you see this perfect symmetrical shadow in like this layer of clouds. It was the most profoundly neat thing. And I took a photo of it. And then the last immersion, right, is Brussels. What a cool opportunity. What a cool opportunity to interact with 50 other undergraduates from across the world, right? From Germany to Turkey, all over. That's what solidified the programs to say, I met a million people, but I got to go through four really cool immersions and meet people from all across the world. That's priceless. So you'd mentioned, you know, the intense connection with a cohort through an immersion, uh, the challenge and uh, adversity of an unknown mountain in the dark. Um, but your journeys took you further afield as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, maybe as the role of president? in some regards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with Brussels. Yeah, so yeah. let's talk about how, what did you gain through that experience and how would you bound that experience uh, traveling abroad for your education? Yeah, well, I, I don't think, you know, that's really where that notion of what's the future of leadership and I, and I mentioned cultural competence, right? Um, that's an example of 
education being borderless, right? And I had, I was chosen to participate. There were, there were, for those of you that are listening that aren't familiar with what this program offers, there are, I don't know, 100 students from across the world that participate in this um, immersion that takes place in Brussels. And you can be part of many different multi-country or governmental agencies. And I was part of the G20 summit. And you can choose what it is that you want to do. And I thought, well, I don't necessarily want to be, you know, someone who's well liked. That would that would be fairly easy to fairly easy to do. And so I chose President Erdogan of Turkey. And I I didn't know anything about President Erdogan up until Quite honestly, I got the list of names that I could choose from and I Googled him and I thought, well, this is interesting. And what was so fascinating, ultimately why I chose him was because he came into the Turkish government really with the notion and the perception of serving the people. And then once he got into power, he kind of flipped it on his head and, and almost took on this dictator role. And I thought, well, how in the world am I going to play this person? Right. And so that was a real challenge for me. And quite honestly, I did a terrible job of playing him because you're you're in character for, you know, 12 hours a day, five days. And, and you you have mock media, you have mock reporters, you have people coming in and storming the G20 summit and you're supposed to be in character. And. President Erdogan probably would have handled it vastly different than I would have, but um, you know that's a real struggle to be in character, right? You're you're acting based off of the information that you've essentially Googled about this person. Meanwhile, you're trying to solve the world's problems with the agenda that you essentially have created with other members of your of your committee. That was interesting. I learned a lot. Wow. Yeah. That's uh so that that experience going abroad and doing something unknown. Um I, I'm curious, you've you've listed how these experiences and how you've put and practiced and challenged and gained friendships. Um I think maybe it's a, a good kind of segue into that concept for the future of leadership you'd mentioned and the competence. Um what do you see as needed next for the focus of leadership for the future of leadership? Yeah, I think I think two things. I mean, you could you could name fifty different things that will be influential to what the future of leadership looks like, and these are just my two that I feel. One, I've mentioned the importance of cultural competence. Right, we are now looking at a world multiple societies that are now that are now borderless. we're seeing more international organizations evolve and and cross-functionally what that looks like so i think cultural competence is is an important thing and i mentioned an important story that my mom had told me and i'll share that story and that's you know when i was when i was in high school my mom said my mom i have the greatest parents in the world they're advocates you know, they, they're wonderful. My mom said, whatever you do in life, if you decide to go on to graduate school or whatever, however high an education you can get, do so. But know that the best education that you will get is by immersing yourself in different cultures, by seeing how other people live, by understanding, or better yet, not understanding the language. Mm. Right, hearing about their values, learning about their government by their societies. And I went traveling by myself internationally years ago. And I remember being in Paris in rush hour early in the morning with my bags and Parisians coming in off the train. Right. And I had, I was, I didn't have a cell phone at that time, certainly didn't have Wi Fi. And I remember thinking, like, Okay, can't read French. I don't speak French. I don't know where this train is going. 
And if I don't get on now, I'm going to miss it. And then where do I go? And you have these anxieties, you have these fears, you're sweating bullets, right? But that experience has shaped you in many different ways or shaped me in many different ways, right? You, you will learn a lot about yourself in times of stress or, or anxiety. And when you don't know something, that moment of pause, that moment of reflection, that moment to say, okay, well, I'll figure it out. It's not the end of the world. If I get on the wrong train, turn back around, right? Whatever it may be. And then the other one is curiosity. And I think the future, I think this is an important piece for the future of leadership because when you operate from a place of curiosity, then comes empathy, then comes perspective, then comes appreciation, right? And it's not to say that empathy has to happen or rather curiosity has to happen then empathy but what i mean by that is the notion of if you can if you can see and see again if you can see it from a different per perspective if you can if you can pause if you can ask a question if you can be the last to speak right that's you're you're constantly taking in information and whether you arrive at the same solution that you had intended to, or whether you arrive at a different one, at least you've thought about it from different angles. At least you've approached it with curiosity. And I think that's a critical, critical thing. Wow. See and see again. That's a, you know, you, you, I don't think I've thought about that for years, but as soon as you said it, it all came back to me. Um, right. Wow. All right. So, um, I want to make sure to be mindful of the time and also give the opportunity for questions around the room. Um, but before we do that, um, I just want to say thank you. Like that, that kind of reflection that's touching that journey. I think one of the things for me personally is seeing how it wasn't just you know, the education, but the journey and how you interacted with people and experiences, that's really important. Um, and that's just a, a important thing for, for leadership, for individuals, for teams. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, I want to make sure to provide an opportunity for um, those who've joined in any questions you have, anything that's bubbling to the surface that you would like to ask Bjorn? Bjorn, um, there's, a, you know, there's a favorite quote from Marcus. I didn't think about it for myself and uh, try to personalize it, but oftentimes, you know, you see it in others and, and even more so, you have the privilege or the honor of accompanying someone in their own journey such as the two of you that are on this call and perhaps others, but they go something like this. It's a, um, uh, Marcus Aurelius that the soul becomes dyed with the color of its thoughts. Um, we've, uh, experienced mutually, you know, some really formative, um, times. Uh, on Adams, you know, first of all, first and foremost, in the 605 residency, um, yeah. leaning into into Frankel's man's search for meaning, uh, into that space between stimulus and response that you touched on, uh, and that profound, my goodness, that connection with your group, um, and that followed, uh, you know, in, in its formation through so many other courses, and as well as how it continued to dye and color your thoughts, your, your, your uh, mindset, your intellect, your formation, your soul, you know, and so much more. Um, then we experience other courses together, you know, whether it's climbing a mountain or the complexity, the intensity, the disruption um, in, uh, you know, when you bring uh, 50 plus, uh, you know, cultures together, you know, as well mm -hmm. as our very own, you know, uh, and the tremendous learning opportunities there uh, that were both provocative, that were both uh, engaging, that were 
um, you know, uh, that, you know, had significant, you know, slopes of learning, you know, to use that analogy for both, for both the Adams course and certainly the, uh, the Brussels course. Um, and I had the honor, you know, just to kind of accompany you and to see your response, your engagement, um, of your thought, you know, you begin, you know, uh, kind of your reflection with, how you've learned along the way in leadership or in coaching, um, at least the, the skill set to, you know, to diagnose, to analyze, to resolve. Um, but also I've seen a part of you of stillness, of reflection, of quietness, you know, of tear-filled eyes, you know, um, of caring, you know, as a result of, because of that. Um, and that is that is a pretty cool place to be to uh of how you have ownership of that um as well as how you model it you know um in, in speech and for others uh whether it be at other companies other uh individuals that you coach and a company in their own journey um and it's it's a resounding kind of sentiment all throughout the the past hour of your reflection with Kyle so uh, you've given us volumes to think about, um, as well as the, the portability of a of a graduate degree in leadership studies, for instance, and um, that is certainly both skill, but disposition, and and uh, and and so much more. So uh, grateful to share in these moments with you. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that, and as you said, right, we had some we had some really cool moments. I remember I almost wasn't able to to make that Adams climb, right? Just because just before that, oh, I think a week before that, a, a coworker, my immediate peer in an organization had suddenly passed away and then about whether to, to go or not, right? But you think about how formidable an experience that was and why it was so important. And, and also why it was so emotional for me once I got to the top. Right. Yep. And Brussels and 605, right? But I think that's the power of community and who you mm -hmm. support yourself with. Right? You you're constantly taking information and seeing how other people react and then making it your own. Right? You don't need to recreate the wheel. See what see what works, see how people respond. And then put your own flair on it and see how people respond. And if people respond negatively, then, then that's a data point to say, okay, well, I need to shift. I need to adapt. I need to, I need to rework that a little bit. I think I'm on the right path, but you know, maybe the intention was more positive than the impact. Right. Mm. Wow. Indeed. And, and it's definitely a reflection of the way that you lead through relationships. So, um, and uh, that is definitely a tenant, you know, that um, not only do we espouse, but it's kind of a Jesuit tradition in so many ways of meeting uh, everyone where they're at and, and uh, walking along, alongside them. So, well said. Thank you. Fascinating. I uh, wanted to make sure to provide space for uh, any other questions um, in case they came up. My uh, Zoom is not actually showing everything on the interface though. So I can't see if there's anything in the chat or hands raised. Uh, so it's an open mic um, in case any, any other questions or things have come up. I can't, technology. I work in it. I don't know how to use it. It's great. Right. I think we've all been there. I think we're all there in some way. <laughs> I think that's what COVID has presented us. Oh, yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I want to be mindful of everybody's time. And thank you so much. It was such a great conversation. And there are things that I, you know, we've had the opportunity to interact, experience things around the world. And it's just, it's great to keep connected. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned, that community is huge the challenges, the commitments we make, um, the curiosity. Thank you for that. See and see again. I'm going to have, that's going to be the title, by the way. Yeah. Um, 
And go. I just want to make sure to say thank you. Now, for everybody who's listening, everybody who's watching, um, how can they get a hold of you if they're curious to learn more about your journey, about coaching? Um, what would be the next step for them? I think I think what's probably easiest is to you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm an I'm an active user. I'm an, you know I try to be respectful and not not over post, but I but I do like to I like I do like to share material. So that that's one way. Okay. The other one is I don't I don't have a website for Voyager Strategy, but if individuals wanted to contact me via email, they could do so. Bjorn at Voyager Strategy dot com we can connect about individual or team interventions helping to promote aspiring new and emerging leaders fantastic thank you for sharing thank you for taking the time out of your evening and uh Pleasure. to be continued yeah Till well next, next time. time i hope that i get a i hope i i hope i'm able to make the a future whitney climb or you know maybe Maybe this is too big of a goal, but you know, how cool would it be to do like Kilimanjaro or something one, one year in the future. So next time I will, I will be there. I apologize. It didn't work out this time, but we can continue the conversations at a much higher level. Until, about that. until we climb again. Until we climb again. Until I like that. Again. All right. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was a pleasure. Thank Appreciate you. All right.